Hello and welcome back to the Loose Change podcast. I'm your co-host Niaz and it feels like we're now in the swing of things. It actually, well, it feels like the first Monday of the new year, even though it's Monday the 9th of January at the time of recording. And I think most people I spoke to felt like the first week was a bit of a warm-up week. Um, most of my colleagues, most of my friends just felt like they were really slow um, and everything just felt like a bit more laboured. Is that fair to say? I think it was the same for me as well. I ended up taking um, most of the first week off because I had some annual leave um, and I was sick over the Christmas period. So it didn't really feel like too much of a rest. Um, but uh, another thing that I will say I am observing about the start of this year, and I don't want to speak too soon, is that people seem quite optimistic about the year, um, which is lovely, but optimistic in a different way to how people normally are um, about <laughs> the new years I feel like we've had a couple of challenging years maybe even more than a couple of challenging years um in recent times and I don't know I feel like there's some optimism and people feel like we're overdue uh, a good year this year um either way whatever it is um it's lovely to see uh, and I very much share the sentiment I feel like um people are really looking introspectively about the things that they've got in their lives uh, and exercising some gratitude and thinking about where they want to go and I hope that energy sustains itself and I hope we don't have anything too catastrophic happening um, although maybe the case is that we're beginning to adjust to catastrophe who knows um, but either way I once again wish everyone a very happy new year and I hope that this year brings you all of the joy success and growth that you've all been aiming for um, yeah, and I and I hope the sentiment that we're feeling chimes true uh, over the course of this year. Um, so on this week's episode of Loose Change, uh, I've really been looking forward to sharing this story. Um, it's uh, with a friend of mine called Kinza, and she kindly shared her story with us, uh, which is quite a remarkable, very inspiring story. Um, so Kinza actually went viral on LinkedIn maybe just over a year ago. I, I, I remember seeing a post um, which millions of people saw actually and uh, she shared a story about uh, her life which on the face of it you look at it and think wow this um, young woman has so much going for her. She's got a wonderful career um, uh, in consulting and uh, she's gone on, obviously done well academically, and she's gone on to launch uh, her first startup. So at the same time as having this wonderful career, she seems to have everything in her life together, and she's actually launched her own business as well. Um, and then she put at the end of that post what people don't see about her life. Uh, and she shared that at the age of 19, she was actually diagnosed with cancer, uh, and she had a tumor on her heart. So which is terrifying news for anybody and not, not an experience that many people can relate to or share. Um, and through it all, she went through, uh, got chemotherapy, got treatment for the cancer and um, beat the cancer, which is amazing. And uh, throughout that whole process, she was still studying. She was doing her A-levels and went on to go to university, having just beaten cancer and just carried on with life as though she hadn't experienced this life-changing uh, event. Um, she went on to complete university and graduate and then uh, achieve all of the success that other people see on the face of it without really acknowledging what a unique, I say unique, but what an incredible, um, I don't really have the, the words to describe what that experience must have been like for a young woman um, who's 19 years old to find out that they have a cancer in the heart uh, and then go on to achieve all of those things. Um but she did it and she's continuing to thrive um, after surviving cancer. Um, and there's so much more to her story. It's a really inspiring story. Um, and it's something um, that she talks about quite candidly. But um, it gives you, I think it gives you the hope um, that you don't need to let an experience that is so catastrophic and so, so big, really, um, define you and there's so much more to Kinza and her story than her experience with cancer um, and she's gone on to prove that this is a story of patience faith resilience um, 
and just a remarkable young woman who's not let her experience of cancer define her um, and has gone on to achieve and continues to achieve some amazing things. Um, but I'll just let you get into the podcast uh, and I hope you enjoy it. So welcome back to season two of the Loose Change podcast and I hope you enjoy this episode with Kinza. Thanks. Welcome back to season two of the Loose Change podcast. I've got an amazing conversation today with a friend of mine. On this episode, I'm delighted to be joined by Kinza Athar, founder of Roo, which is a functional plant-based snacking brand um, with a range of products designed and engineered for your soul. Um, I was super impressed by Kinza, um, and I first came across Roo um, actually when Kinza went viral on LinkedIn for a story that she'd shared. Um, she has an amazing and demanding career in consulting and has launched a startup alongside it. Um, really excited to hear more about your story, but welcome, Kinza. Welcome to Loose Change. Thank you. Delighted um, to be here. Now, glad to have you here. So, I'm really like fascinated by and impressed just by all the things that you're able to do in your story. Such an incredible story, and it, like, I, I guess it strikes me how easily you're able to just say, yes, this has been my life. These are the things that I've gone through, and I think it's testament to your strength because the story, I think, which loads of people have like heard about when you went viral on LinkedIn as well, um, is that you successful graduate, went to uni, mm. um, and like got like amazing A levels, went to uni, then you um, graduated with loads of offers um, in a consulting career which you wanted, and then launched into your consulting career, um, and then you launched your startup, uh, which we're going to talk about, which is amazing. Thank but you. the part that they don't see is that in 2014, during your A levels, you got some life changing news, which you kindly shared with us um, of a cancer diagnosis in the heart. Um, and despite all that, you still managed to go on and accomplish and achieve all of these things. Um, but how, like, how does one reason with that when that news first comes around with all the pressures that you have on you? Um, so I was 19 at the time, I believe, yeah. yeah it's quite wow. a few years back. And it, the way that I thought something was essentially wrong with me was I was just running up the stairs and I felt quite breathless. Now, mm. as someone who is super active. I used to do a lot of cross country and mm -hmm. hockey at, at school. Um, I thought something was wrong and I went to hospital and everything. And really when I found out that I had a tumor the size of my fist or my heart, wow. um, I didn't think too much of it. I think in a sense, I feel lucky that I was 19 when I was diagnosed because I know that if I had it, if I was, for example, diagnosed with cancer today, I know it would have a huge impact on my life. And I think being 19 and having that, I think that when I was 19, I kind of felt a bit aimless hmm. or um, where is my life going to take me? You know, I'm just doing my A-levels, like the next thing after the next that is like in the um, journey of life. Um, and I suppose having that diagnosis of cancer and obviously hindsight is a beautiful thing, right? And looking back, I would say that provided me a an experience to understand what my um, purpose is in life. Mm. Because a lot of people do ask me if I could go back and change it, would I, mm. that diagnosis? And I would always say 100% no, because it made me who I am today. And I think in terms of, back to your question, how a person deals with that mm. diagnosis, I think the most important thing is having people that care about you right by your side. My mother was with me every single day that I was in hospital having chemotherapy. So I had mm. six months worth of chemotherapy and then one month's worth of radiotherapy. And despite me saying, mom, you should go home and everything, um, she, she never left my side once. Mm. And I think at the time being a 19 year old, I was just like, oh, it's fine. I can just deal with it. Like, mom, you don't have to be by my side. But now again, looking back, looking back, it makes me realize that was so grounding for me because I saw other people within my ward lose hope so quickly mm. because they didn't have people that cared about them, family, friends, you know. Um, and I think that's so important. Yeah. Well, mothers are so precious, aren't they? They are. Um, it's, it's insane because, like, again, I sort of, like, come back to how easily you're able to, like, convey and talk about this experience, which very few people go through. Um, but it's interesting to, to hear that for you, it was what really like gave you, I guess what well, you were able to consider what your purpose is. Yeah. And I think for a lot of people when they're in their teens, or I can speak for myself and a lot of my friends, um, for a long time, we're quite aimless. For, 
across our 20s. Mm -hmm. um, and sometimes it does take a bit of a traumatic experience to be like, oh, yeah, what am I doing? Where am I going? What do I yeah. want to do? So I, I guess it's a healthy way to, to, to look at things where you've been able to look reflectively on that period and, and, and think, okay, maybe that's when I yeah. managed to think about my purpose. So I think everyone goes through trauma mm -hmm. and I think it's um, relative. But what you have to think about is, am I going to take this post-traumatic stress mm. and just, just continue with my life, just dealing with it? Or am I going to take that positively and change my life as a result of it? Yeah. And you, you ultimately control the option. Yeah. And, and I actively chose that going through cancer and how it made me feel is, is not me and it's not who I am. This is my opportunity. Like, it almost like makes you realize I have one life and I'm going mm. to make it count. Yeah, I think that's an amazing attitude to take. And the, the, the bits that we shouldn't glance over as mm. well is you having cancer as a 19 year old wasn't the only thing in your life you were going through because life doesn't pause. Yeah. And, and, and like it, I've had like other experiences in my life as well. And it, that's a real strange thing to reason with that um, you're going through this crazy experience, um, but life goes on around you at the same time. Um, and what struck me about you is that you managed to carry on with both it, to, to, to such um, an amazing degree, um, which is testament to you, but also like, um, w which we'll talk about, like it, it does take its toll um, in that you just, you were doing your A-levels whilst, um, or you were stud you, you continued studying whilst you were going through chemotherapy? Well, yeah, so, um, so just to add a bit of context, um, I live in an Aryan group in an area where there was very much no representation at all of people of color. Um, me and my siblings and maybe another family were the only colored people at my school and we were the only, um, me and my sister were the only people that wore hijab at school. So it was very, um, you know, you knew who wore the hijab mm. or who was colored. So when I got my cancer diagnosis, I didn't really want to tell anyone at school. Obviously I told mm. my tutor and everything, but yes, while I was still in hospital having chemotherapy, I would still be studying for my A-levels. Wow. Now um, I actually go on to this. I actually started out by doing six A-levels. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I can just go on this later. <laughs> six A-levels, most of us can barely do well, three. It's just, I just feel like life tries to put you in a box. Yeah. Like you start off by doing so many subjects, you go on to GCSEs and then mm. A-levels and then university. And then you're in a career. Mm -hmm. You know, I can touch upon this um, later on when you ask about my career and things like that. But um, I was so conscious from a young age to not be put into a box. You know, mm -hmm. I feel like we have infinite possibilities and we're just kind of like made to like go down this like V and like really specialize. But anyway, um, so I was studying yeah. uh, for my levels. And then I found out that my school removed me from my A-level exams when I was supposed to. If you're ill and you have extenuating circumstances, which this obviously yeah. was, I don't know why it would not be. Yeah. They removed me from my A-level exams, which means I would have had to sit, redo my entire levels again. Mm -hmm. And obviously I was not happy with that because that's what I was expecting. I had great um, AS grades as well. So then whilst I'm going through chemotherapy the summer, of like in July, August, when you you know find out which university everyone gets into, um, I'm calling up the universities I was supposed to be joining and say that, hey, I'm going through this extenuating circumstance. Is there any way that you can allow me on the basis of my predicted grades A2? Mm -hmm. And like, every single university said, no, you need to redo your A2 levels, wow. except for Leicester. But I negotiated with them, contingent on like uh, graduating first year with a first class. But the point of that is, if you don't ask, you don't get. And even like whilst I'm going through chemotherapy, I had to negotiate. Yeah. That yeah. was tough though. I, I, that yeah. did like break my heart quite a bit. Yeah. That it's like my school, my teachers. Yeah, I can imagine. Because um, you feel like, I guess in that period, you, you need as much support as you can get. It's so isolating yeah. already. And then yeah. it's, you're kind of made to feel even more isolated. Yeah. Um, but then you negotiated with Leicester and you ended up... Um, going to Leicester to, mm -hmm. for your undergraduate. I did, yeah. Um, what did, what did Chemistry, you Chemistry, so I did, okay. yeah. Um, everything I'm bad at. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah, my mind doesn't work in that way. More creative arts, but I did law, but. Yeah, or you know what, like everyone finds their own. Like I never thought I was a creative person. I remember at school my teachers yeah. would say you're either left brain or right brain. And I was, apparently I was always like science and maths. Yeah. But like when we touch upon road, yeah. you know, I'll go more into that, but. And how was your uni experience? Did Did it ever, 
did you carry that cancer diagnosis with you um, when you went when you moved forward in your life I guess into uni so my chemotherapy finished I think four days before university started so I still had like this pick line that you have in your arm because your veins get really small um, because I was adamant that I'm I'm not going to let this define who I am and the way that I really took cancer with me whilst I was at university was in the way that um, having that at the back of my mind, you've just been through this. If you can do this, mm. you can do anything. Yeah, and what people don't realize is recovery from chemotherapy can take about a year anyway. So yeah. starting uni, finishing chemo, starting uni after four days later, it doesn't mean you're better. Yeah. Your body, because chemotherapy essentially kills your body and yeah. kills the cancer. Mm-hmm. Um, I and can barely you, walk. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. And, and I remember you shared like some, some things with me as well um, about that experience. Mm-hmm. So... But you, you carried on, you carried on, you, you didn't let it stop you, didn't want it to define you, and then you went on to university. Um, and what was that experience like? Um, I had a beautiful university experience. Good. All the great opportunities. For example, um, there were a lot of entrepreneur activities there that I could really allow, that could allow me to, I suppose, use those entrepreneurial skills and allow that like creativity within me to shine and yeah. really flourish whilst doing a degree that I genuinely really enjoyed because it's allowed me to understand the world better. Yeah. Um, made beautiful friends. Just really enjoyed my university, yeah. That's really good. And would you say your uni experience is where you started to explore maybe your entrepreneurial and enterprising mindset? No, I did it before <laughs> then. <laughs> when I was in school, you know, everyone um, talks about how their kids who like sell chocolate bars yeah, or like tech shops. Kind of, kind of not. Um, we have this thing called Sponsored Walk where everyone, I think, runs like 15 kilometers to raise mm-hmm. money. And I was just like, saw this opportunity in like year 12. And I was like, hey, why can't we just put a store there and like raise money for charity by selling, yeah. you know, these um, like snacks or whatever. And, and, and I did that. Um, but really in business studies during my A-levels is when this entrepreneur, um, entrepreneurial flair really came out. Yeah. And I was, so I had a, product idea for hand sanitizers way before the pandemic so this is like circa 2012 2013 could have been really well timed yeah had it been a few years later i can touch on that later but um yeah no um i really get it from my parents like my father has really strong entrepreneurial characteristics and he has a really strong never give up attitude Mm -hmm. i've never seen him give up Mm -hmm. and Perhaps in that moment when we're growing up, we don't realize it, but I know subconsciously and reflecting on it that that has rubbed off on me so well. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's amazing. And, and you can certainly see that. Like, you're probably one of the most proactive people I've met. I've met. Um, but you had an amazing uni experience and mm. then you got into your current career. Um, whilst at university, you were applying for roles in consulting, right? Yeah. So. I actually didn't even know what consulting was. No one does. Consulting, consulting existed. Is, it's made up. I might trigger some people because they always ask, as a consultant, what do you actually do? And everyone's That's like, yeah. Every, everyone asks the same question. Like, yeah. just get the consultants in and just give them loads of money and no one knows what they do. <laughs> yeah. Apparently, we just uh, work on building synergies. That's like the <laughs> corporate strategy. work. Yeah, yeah, basically. I can say it. I work in strategy, so. Yeah, fine, exactly. Yeah. So, um, no, so um, I actually wanted to go into pharmaceuticals. Okay. Chemistry. Um, yeah, so I like uh, interned at Unilever, GSK, and then I quickly realized, also I had an internship with the body shop, which didn't really materialize because they didn't have budget. Mm-hmm. But point is, I realized that that world was not for me. Yeah. And at the time, my friend James, James, shout out. Yeah. <laughs> he asked me, hey, Kinza, like, I'm looking into consulting. Do you mind just uh, having a quick look at my CV and things like that? I was like, James, I have no idea what consulting is. <laughs> But I can educate myself. So here I am on Google and LinkedIn trying to find out what consulting is and what yeah. it does, right? What you do in that role. And I'm like, this sounds interesting because yeah. I hate to be put into a box. Like yeah. that is so strongly within me. Yeah. Because as soon as you're into career, it's like medicine, law, yeah. um, pharmaceuticals, scientists. I feel like I'm put into a box and like I have to like fight with myself yeah. internally because that's, I don't want to be constrained. Yeah. And so I kept looking for something that allowed me to explore different industries, different roles. And I think it was a blessing from God that I Mm. found what consulting was. And yeah, whilst I was on my industrial placement at GSK, Mm -hmm. I applied to this summer internship at Accenture and I got in. And I actually had to end that placement at GSK a week early because I was like, I need to do this. So this was 
before I went into my fourth year because I did a master's. Yeah. And um, I'm so glad I did that because it made me realize that consulting is the place I want to be in, at least to like launch my career. Yeah. Because you are, you're exposed to, to so many different industries, to so yeah. many different roles. Like in terms of industry, it can be aerospace, finance, um, pharmaceuticals, consumer goods, oil and gas. Like honestly, the possibilities are endless. Yeah. And it allows you the opportunity to really find out what you want to do in life, what you really enjoy. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's amazing. And I think certainly for people that are like business minded, it gives you so much exposure to so many different types of businesses. Yeah. And even though no one knows what consultants are, <laughs> it gives you, it allows you to get into the weeds of it. Um, but uh, in typical Kinza fashion, mm. consulting didn't, didn't leave you standing still in that career or within that box because you um, then alongside that career mm -hmm. um, have since launched this amazing, um, your first startup, first-ish? Yeah. Uh, well, the hand sanitizer was my first one. Yeah, okay. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but, but, but you launched another, you launched yeah, another yeah, startup, yeah. Which, were, which, is, which is amazing, by Thank the way. Thank you. Um, and alongside your career in consulting. Yeah. Um, how has that experience been? So, because you really are st staying true to what you said about not wanting to remain in a box. Yeah, and... So how has that been for me and like in terms of not staying in a box? I think what I slowly realized as my uh, career moved forward at Accenture is that ultimately you have to specialize. Yes. <laughs> and I was just thinking to myself, oh my God. So when I first, start, when I first started at Accenture, I uh, was very much into the oil and gas industry and I did yeah. a lot of uh, work within that area. And I was just like, I do enjoy it, but it's just, do I really want to build my career in oil and gas? And I'm like, okay then pharmaceuticals, uh, life sciences industry, and I'm like, oh, I'm not too sure. Then consumer goods, I'm like, this is more interesting, but do I always just want to stay within this? Yeah. I'm not too sure. But alongside that, I always have ideas because consulting, um, one of the pros of consulting art is that it allows you to travel. Yes. Not so much post-COVID, yeah. but pre-COVID, I got to travel a lot. Yeah, yeah. I came across lots of different types of food, cultures, etc. And it really opens your eyes to the possibilities that are out there um, mm -hmm. and just new ideas in general. And yeah, before um, actually launching Rue, yeah. um, I worked on uh, like maybe three other products. You know, one of the things of key characteristics of a um, entrepreneur is that you need to know when to move on to the next idea. Yeah. Like, yeah. It's a concept called the dip. I heard of. I don't know if you've Is ever heard okay? of the dip. Um, no, I've I not heard forgot of that. the name of the the author. Which so every founder yeah. goes through this period because it's like really exciting when yeah. you're making the brand, when you're thinking of the name, when you're doing all the designing, and it's really exciting. Yeah. So you're like going up. You're like, uh -huh. oh, this is gonna be sick. This is gonna be my life. I'm a founder now. <laughs> and then after all the excitement of everyone saying yes, well done like you're doing your own thing, this is mm. amazing. Then you go through this dip where you're actually like, okay, now I have to actually run my own business, and that's a bit in the middle. And then when mm. you start to gain traction again, the enthusiasm lifts again. Yeah. But some people get stuck in the dip. Yeah. And um, I'll find the book actually afterwards, but what the art of knowing what to do when you're in the dip is knowing whether to actually quit yeah. or to keep going, thinking that you might be able to get out of the dip. So every founder experiences this concept called the dip. And I, we've, we've, yeah, we've definitely experienced it multiple times as yeah. well, but um, have stuck through. Um, but how has your experience as a founder been? Um, and what I would say is a bit loaded, but how have your experiences to date shaped like what you've created in Rue? So I'll start with the latter question. Yeah. Having started in consulting mm. and allowed, or having that as a platform to launch my career, and being thrown literally in the deep end. Yeah. I've learned a lot of skills within consulting, yeah. whether that's like data analysis to presenting, to storytelling, um, to just negotiating and selling. A lot of what I, what has helped me launch Rue and create Rue and has come from consulting. Mm -hmm. But then again, I say that, the whole, you know, when you're creating a product, you need to formulate it. Yes. And that experience, you know, this experience that has supported me within that is from GSK. Okay. 
because I was working on toothpaste, so if, yeah. you know, Sensodyne yeah, and yeah, Aquafresh, yeah, and yeah, so, yeah, I was working on those two things. <laughs> <laughs> you have great teeth, so. Yeah, thank you, thank you very much. I, uh, my, one of my mates recently did them. Oh, did they? Invisalign. Oh, nice, yeah. <laughs> Shout out Dr. Hugh Harding. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry, uh, do you have a commercial thing no, to plug? No, no, no. <laughs> just, just, just shouting out one of my mates. Yeah. Um, but the, all of those experiences helped you shape in building a product. And yeah. The other thing that I will say, because I know you're going to glance over this experience, is that everything in this product, and this was crazy when we first spoke. Yeah. It's amazing, by the way. Thank you. Um, I think my favourite flavour is probably the hazelnut. Really? Uh, you said salted caramel last time. Yes, that's changed. Oh, wow. since I, I had a lot of the hazelnut afterwards. Yeah. Um, but you did everything, like the branding, um, the name, the design, like you, you really bootstrapped everything. Which yeah, is, I mean, I gave... Whilst working full time. Yeah, well, I mean, I gave myself a... But everything I do has to be led with purpose. So if you look at the name of the brand, it's Roo. Roo means soul in Arabic and yeah. Urdu and other languages as well. And really the whole purpose with Roo is to create snacks and create food that helps you get back to your roots. Yeah. Like, you know, nice. no pun nice intended there. Words. Yeah, <laughs> thank you. Um, and everything is purposeful there isn't a line on there that isn't there for a specific reason like there's a leaf under the you yeah. and it's just like plant but it's elevating you because it's the you wow. yeah. everything like you know the more you live your life with purpose the more easier it is to implement micro habits or whatever you do in a day yeah. that allows you to be one step closer to living a more purposeful life yeah but sorry going back to what you actually asked yeah, yeah i mean like I bootstrapped the entire thing from branding to creative to the website to the product. I was really, really strong on branding. Yeah. And I think one thing I'll note here is like, I remember growing up, teacher said, you're either creative or like non-creative. And I was always a non-creative person, supposedly. I see, I find that difficult to believe because, because you, you clearly are very creative. And just so people know, I did not know. So the way that you create like product branding and like websites and things in terms of at least like design mm. is using Illust Adobe Illustrator and Photoshop. I did not know how to even like use a single like. So it's can, just to add, that's that. not an easy software to just upskill yourself onto. So I've been using like the Adobe suite for years. Yeah, okay. I'm not great, but I've been doing it for like over 10 years. Okay. Um, but that's not easy to do. I, I don't think I could make that. And I've been using the Adobe suite for a while, really? but um, yeah, it's an amazing thing to just, it just shows your drive to be able to be like, right, I, I need to do this. I just have to, I have to make it work. But also the point is, I will say that today, it is the easiest time in, in history to launch a business, yeah. to launch a company. Yeah. The point is that anything you want to learn, nine times out of 10, it is on the internet. Yeah. The difference is, is between the people that actually want to learn and those that can't be bothered. Yeah, okay. Because that information is out there. It's a big kick up the bum there. for people like us. <laughs> Well, no, you're doing um, no, no, amazing. No, no. Um, no, no, it's true. It's true. And, and I think that's why your story is so inspiring, because despite everything that you've had on your plate, mm -hmm. the, the show must go on has been very much um, uh, the leading line for you, um, which is amazing and yeah. very inspiring to see. Thank you. Um, but in launching Roo, mm. what, what, what do you think surprised you the most about launching a company? Oh, it is... I feel like it's not spoken enough in yeah. the whole um, founder community. Yeah. But it is hard. Yes. It is really, really hard. Like mentally, it is exhausting. Physically, especially if you have like a physical product, yeah. and you have to make it yourself in the beginning. It is hard, hard. like the graft. Yeah. It is unparalleled. Yeah. Um, you've got to be able to be strong enough to hold your emotions mm. and actually feel them. Yeah. I think when, when I first started Roo, um, I wouldn't really allow my emotions to like come up to the surface because it's just like, okay, I have, I have an X amount of things on my plate and I yeah. need to get them done. And I don't have time to allow my emotions to um, come to the surface essentially. But because you go through so many emotions, like the amount of roadblocks from small to big that will happen in the journey of being an entrepreneur. Yeah. Insane. You just wouldn't even think that. Yeah. It's just like you have an event coming up and you've made this product a like a gazillion times, right? 
why is it not working this time? It's just like, this is my, this is my Wait, like, recipe. You, I remember you had this, you shared this story with me once. And this is like part of the perils of being a founder yeah. of when you had a big order to make. Yeah. And when it was all knocked over. Oh my God, yeah. So this is actually, yeah. So this was actually a food scientist that was observing how in my home, I would create the product. Yeah. Um, so, you know, most people start off in their kitchen and then you uh, yeah. put it out to a co-manufacturer. And I have to roast the almonds for the salted caramel recipe. And this, I think I've like roasted almost like five kilos worth of almonds on this like huge baking tray into the oven. And you're being observed at this point. Yeah, well, thankfully not in person, but it was on video call, so yeah. by teens. And it's there and she's watching me. And I just pull it. So I think it must have been like 20 minutes and now all the almonds ever yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> roasted. And I pull out the tray. And I don't know why this happened, but my elbow not, got knocked on the edge of the um, oh oven gosh. door. And the entire tray went on the floor. And like, I think I have a picture of it somewhere. Mm. And there's almonds on the entire floor. And I'm just stood there like, what do I do? The, the, the one time. <laughs> That's never happened to me. Like, the Anytime you need something to go to plan, yeah. I swear it never goes to plan. I know, man. But you have to learn to be okay with yes, that. Yes, I know. And in that moment, I was literally stirred, thinking like, <sighs> yeah. what do I do? But I, I've also came across, you know Mel Robbins? I yeah. Know, she has this thing where you need to count down, I believe like five, four, three, two, one. And I'm like, I'm not going to give myself more time to be in this moment. Yeah. Okay, like I acknowledge something has happened, but I've got to move forward. And I literally just swept it all up and I put it on the side and restarted, started again. And it did really annoy me. And then you know what happened the next day? This is where the phrase like, um, everywhere you look, you see what you're looking for okay. really comes into play. Yeah. My mum put the roasted almonds out in our like, bird feeder. Mm -hmm. And my window is on towards the back garden. And whilst I'm working the next day on my laptop, I see towards my right that there are a flurry of birds eating the almonds. And in that moment, you know, depends on what I wanted to see. I could have even just not even seen what yeah. was happening outside. But I was just like, subhanAllah, like yeah. that, those almonds in terms of being a food were meant for the birds. And yeah. the way that was going to get to them yeah. was through me spilling this entire yeah, tray. Yeah, yeah. And I was just like, you know what? That's so beautiful because now I'm going to get blessings yeah. because the birds are being yeah. fed. Well, that's that's a beautiful concept of risk, right? Um, exactly. Yeah. No, that's a, that's an amazing way to. You're, it's crazy how like positively you can spin all of these situations because I would have just been like, bloody, I'm giving up, I'm done, I'm walking off. Um, <laughs> but it's good, and I think you need that kind of resilience, and I think that's that's a very poignant point to touch on mm -hmm. the word resilience and the mm -hmm. concept of resilience because. Um, Knowing you, yeah. I would say, um, as like an, a friend, as an outside observer, yeah. resilience is one of your greatest strengths in everything that you've demonstrated mm -hmm. um, in your story, like throughout your life. And it's something that founders need. And because yeah. being a founder is a very lonely experience sometimes. Sometimes. <laughs> a lot of the time. It can be a very lonely experience. And, and this is certainly the, something that I relate to on a, mm. on a different scale. Um, because people really romanticize the life of being a founder. You've got your own thing, oh wow, you, you've got all this stuff going for you, yeah. which is amazing by yeah, the way, yeah. um, which is an amazing thing to be able to have. But the amount of resilience that you need is like, I, it's not spoken about enough because all you hear is, oh my God, you need to break the nine to five, like you need to do your own thing and yeah. like, you need to like give yourself freedom. But a lot of the time you do trade that nine to five if you trade it at all yeah. for, a, for a 24 seven or a 25 eight. Like, it is, that's what people don't realize. Yeah. Entrepreneurship is 24 seven. If you yeah. sleep, you're impacting the business because you're sleeping. <laughs> I'm sorry. It is though, you know, like especially with yeah. uh, towards the beginning stages, it yeah. really is. Yeah, but how do you balance that with also, I think a, a big figment of like Rue, your brand, yourself, with also knowing and caring a lot about wellness. Um, so how do you balance the relentless nature yeah. of being a founder, yeah. needing to be resilient, needing to constantly be switched on against, um, knowing that you need to also prioritize your own health? Now that's a bit loaded because I'm someone who's very open about this. Like I routinely burn myself out. Like I. I've actually been ill recently because I've just been like working too much and literally my doctor was like, take a day off. And I actually had a doctor be like, right, you need to have an enforced self-care day. Oh. Because I'm just like, 
I, I don't have the discipline yet to be like, okay, I'm, I'm switched on. I need to be switched on. And I enjoy being switched on yeah. until I ignore my body so much that I've burnt myself But your out. body tells you that, hey, yeah. something's wrong. I will say I am exactly like you. <laughs> I think you're worse. <laughs> yeah, probably. Yeah. <laughs> I think maybe the difference is, not the difference, but like um, at least like what helps me keep on track somewhat is that I have people around me yeah. that... So firstly, I actually do not like to share my emotions or how I am. And like the entire entrepreneurial journey, yeah. you have to isolate yourself. Like there, there, there are um, sacrifices you have to make and Definitely. you will lose friends and because not everyone is understanding. And that, that is what makes it incredibly lonely because no one understands but you. And you then become isolated because you don't have that group where you don't go out as much yeah. as you used to because you that time is now used else, elsewhere yeah so in terms of um what i was saying was that i have I, I didn't used to share my emotions and i would just bottle them up yeah but then recently i have started to show them not because i want to because unfortunately yeah. my body is what gives my emotions away so sometimes it gets to a point where I remember was this last year I think it was last year yeah um I would get ocular migraines so I I mm. sometimes get migraines um but I remember for like a whole month or two or a few couple of months I was getting ocular migraines so I don't know if you know what that is but it's like where say you know when you throw glitter in the air yeah and it's slowly falling that would just be happening constantly in front of my oh eyes my and I like when I was at work, I'd have to like move my eyes so I could see like what that specific cell said in, in, yeah. in my like sheet on Excel. Like I had visual things blocking my vision. Wow. And I couldn't understand what it was. But now in hindsight, I do realize I was stressed. Yes, definitely. So, I, so I'm actually reading something at the moment, which, okay. um, which is a book by Dr. Gabor Mate, mm -hmm. Mate um, called When the Body Says No. And I, I can really relate to a lot of it. Um, because the concept is that you, you might tell yourself that you're really resilient and yeah. you're ignoring a lot of these issues and stresses. You might tell yourself, I'm not stressed, I'm fine, look at me, I'm carrying on. But that fiction that you've told yourself because you're able to carry on, it manifests in your body in other ways. Um, and it could be in chronic illnesses or it could be like more like acute um, illnesses. Mm. Um, or sometimes like I've experienced over like the last couple of weeks where I've just been going nonstop. I just got sick and one weekend I was like, I actually can't do anything. And it was the best thing that happened to me because I was like, oh my God, I haven't taken a weekend off. Why can't we just listen to ourselves? I don't it's yeah, it's I crazy. Don't know. And, and, and the other thing is um, when it manifests in chronic illnesses and for some people it has been things like cancer yeah. in cases and it has been um, other like longer term chronic yeah. illnesses um, because they've, without knowing it perhaps, it's a double-edged sword because it, I guess it makes you really ambitious, relentless with your with your work, but you also do have to respect your body, I guess. Yeah. Um, because if you do ignore it, it will, if you ignore it with your mind and your words, it will manifest on your body in other ways, is, is the general idea behind behind the book, which I think is very true, actually. I think you need to read this book. Yeah, yeah, definitely <laughs> do, definitely do. But um, on the concept of like, wellness and yeah. understanding that's definitely like another thing that I know that you're really interested in has Huge. that has that been a big part of your life has it yeah I 100% um I've always played a lot of sports mm -hmm. growing up but recently when you have a lot of stress in life at least for me I've realized I have to work out every single day or at least like go so you know, it doesn't have to be intense. Yeah. I either like to do go for like a run. Yeah. And your run doesn't have to be like 5K, 10K, or it can be 3K, to, like whatever is good for you. Yeah. I think, um, yeah, so I'll do running, some boxing hit, Muay Thai, whatever it is. I know that I have this energy I need to release from my body. Yeah. And if I don't, I feel like there's, there's something like, Inside, yeah. genuinely there's something inside of me because there are days where I have to genuinely give my body some time off because I, like recently right now I have some, some shin splints I can't oh, even no, say that yeah. word some shin splints say it so shin splints no some shin splints some shin splints yeah it's hard isn't it pro <laughs> um, so yeah because I have some shin splints you should get a tennis ball by the way and oh uh, yeah. my friend told me I should yeah, do that yeah it yeah. helps I used okay. to get shin splints did you yeah yeah, yeah. Are they okay now? Yeah, yeah, okay, fine, yeah. <laughs> Just checking, <laughs> listening to your body. Yeah, no, I am. Um, um, yeah, so 
when I have to give myself these rest days, I feel there's something inside of me. And when I exercise first thing in the morning, yeah. it helps. Like I've already won the day. Yeah. I agree. Getting sunlight. What's really important to me, I don't know, I think you you follow me on Instagram, yeah. so you see all my stories, like grounding and getting sunlight yeah. first thing in the morning is so important to me. Yeah. Scientifically, grounding. So grounding just means um, putting your bare foot on soil yeah. or if you live on the beach, putting it on the sand or in, in, in sea because what it does, it allows your electrons to flow from yeah. like throughout your body and into, into the, the ground, It's yeah. like... Um, you know, we in the UK, we have that plug that has yeah, the yeah, earth. Yeah, that's literally earth. us yeah. earthing. Yeah. And it's scientifically proven to decrease inflammation yeah. in your body. And all illnesses start with inflammation. So, like, why not? And I'll do that maybe. It can be five minutes. It can be 15 minutes or half an hour. Yeah. Um, and whilst I do that, I'll get sunlight in my eyes. Yeah. And if I feel like it, I'll put a meditation on sometimes. Nice. Slowly getting into that. It, yeah. It's hard for me. With someone with, like, ADHD. Yeah. Uh, my brain is like left, right, center, up, down, yeah. like everywhere. Um, yeah. However, having these small, these micro habits in your day really helps you to align yourself so that you can go and attack your day. Yeah, I know. I can I can really relate to that because I sometimes get asked like like how are you doing so much? Mm. Um, like how are you like basically doing two full time jobs, right? Mm. Um, and when I've felt my best and most capable to yeah. do those things and it hasn't felt like it's really difficult yeah. for me is when I've like actually got a good routine in place where I'm able to mm-hmm. um, start my morning right, get some natural sunlight as I'm waking up. Mm-hmm. Um, I usually like to give myself some time before yeah. I start anything else. I don't look at my phone. I'll go on a long walk and watch the sunrise. Mm-hmm. This is, Again, when I'm not um, in flow, this is not what's happening all the time. <laughs> but when I'm at my best, like I wake up, get some sunlight into my eyes, which um, Huberman, Huberman, yeah, Dr. Huberman, Huberman, Dr. Huberman yeah. I, I got that from him actually, um, to, to help with, with the wakefulness. And then I'd go on a walk, watch the sunrise. Um, and actually a few years ago with my mum, I used to do a lot of earthing. So when she was undergoing chemotherapy, we used to go for long walks in the park and she would like just take her shoes off and like walk on the ground. She'd be like, we'll do it with me. And honestly, it was like, you actually can tell the difference. You mm-hmm. feel like the charge has left your body. Um, and then by the time I've got around to starting my day, I've already given myself like an, an hour or two hours of the day. And you don't feel like you've started your day by giving it to someone else, giving it to the world, giving it to the race, yeah. you've given that time to yourself. And in doing that, I feel much more capable then of attacking all of my responsibilities mm-hmm. that I have. When I'm not in flow <laughs> and I still have those responsibilities, which is probably like now, I'm like, oh, my morning routine's not yeah. great, but I still have to do all of these things. And like, I'm kind of like, not, I'm kind of imbalanced. So it's really interesting that actually having a bit of discipline and giving yourself back some care yeah. really allows you to attack everything else yeah. much better. I mean, sometimes I think I struggle with this mm. um, a few years ago as well. I think sometimes I still do as well. It's, it's where people say, Sometimes self-care can be selfish. Yeah. But I, I think I recently came across a video where this lady had like five pens and she's just like, um, you can't access these four pens until you've accessed the first pen. And the yeah. first pen is your self-care. Yeah. You know, the, these five pens represent you, but you can't access those until you haven't taken care of yourself. Like just because you prioritize yourself doesn't mean you are unprioritizing everybody else. Yeah. Yeah, actually, sometimes it allows you to um, be present with other people and serve them better because mm-hmm. you've like you're able to bring the full version of yourself. Absolutely. I certainly live by a lot of that, and mm. um, yeah, it's definitely something that I've experienced. Probably need to remind myself of it a lot more. Um, <laughs> Likewise. <laughs> yeah, but it's a back, journey. Hundred percent. But coming back to you and how you're capable of managing so much, and like constantly throughout your story, you've been able to manage so much. Um, what would your like? What would your model example of a morning routine look like? Model example, okay. <laughs> uh, so I was doing this a few months ago. I'd get up at five thirty, yeah, or six. Okay. Um, uh, I'd rinse my mouth. Don't brush your teeth. Okay. Go down and have my pr- like drink these this probiotic. Okay. Then um, I've got to give it five minutes to sit on my stomach. Whilst I'm doing that. I make my coffee. Okay. I love to add cardamom, crush some fresh cardamom into okay. my coffee. Okay. I grab that. Okay. <laughs> then I walk outside into my garden, yep. take my slippers off yep. and ground for like 
15 minutes whilst the sun, I'm looking into the sun and it, okay. you know, I'm getting that vitamin D and it's resetting my, well, rather waking up my circadian rhythm. Yep. Then go back in, um, do an exercise. Either I'll run. I, I'm not someone who sticks to a schedule okay. in terms of my exercise. I like to just go with the flow and how my body's feeling. So if I'm feeling for a run, I'll go for a run. Mm -hmm. If I want to do some like, just whack out some energy and do some like punches and like shadow boxing, I'll do that. So let's say we're doing shadow boxing today. I'll do some shadow boxing. I won't demonstrate right now. But <laughs> <laughs> um, so I'll do some shadow boxing, shower. And I think right at that point, it might be 7.30 then, or maybe 7, 7.30 maybe. Then I've got time to work on Rue before the work day, if it, like, you know, work, work starts. And that would be my official morning routine, really. That's wicked. That, yeah, that's genuinely. Um, so on the topic of like health, wellness and how important it is to you mm. um, in your life and really why it allows you to do so much, um, which I can relate yeah. to, like how has that informed Rue, like coming back to Rue in the, in the product that you've built, like how has all this like health and wellness come into your, your product? Has it come into your product at all? Oh, absolutely. And obviously you already know this. <laughs> um, so since a young age, I've genuinely been eating really healthy and I think balance is really important. If I'm going to eat healthy 80% of the time, I can enjoy myself 20% of the time. You know, yeah. life is about balance. It's not a stringent, I must eat healthy all the time. Mm. Um, and so then going through cancer and realizing that your food choices are so important. Mm. It's like you put money in your savings account that's yeah. going to, um, what's the word? Um, compound. compound over time. Yeah. That's like your food habits. Yeah. Like people don't 100%. realize that. Yeah. And so towards the end of the pandemic, I wanted a sweet treat. Yeah. But I wanted, I didn't want any refined sugars or dairy or things like that that could potentially like aggravate or like cause inflammation. So I just put some things together and I made these oat milk cookies. At the time, they were these like fat cookies I would yeah, just make yeah. for like a couple of minutes. <laughs> then 20 batches in, I realized that I'm eating the dough raw and yeah. I'm like, hey, I could do something with this. Yeah. And like, subhanAllah, naturally, that's where the yeah. idea for the choco bites came from. And um, can I touch them? Yeah, of course, yeah, yeah. of course. Remind myself of my own product. <laughs> Honestly, joking. I love the branding so much and they're delicious. Um, thank you, I really appreciate it. Um, yeah, so they're made from oat milk. Okay. Um, so, you know, it's all about how can we eat as close to nature as possible okay. without um, isolating things yeah. from their natural form. Yeah. Because I feel like that's when, for example, some people can't eat plant-based proteins because it's right. like isolated, like pea protein is an isolate. You know, like everything else is gone, you're just receiving the pea protein. Mm -hmm. and, and the point of Rue is like, how can we create products that are as close to nature as possible, but still taste good? Because the one pet peeve that I have with plant-based products is A, they are so, they're full of chemicals. Mm. The whole point is you want a few fewer ingredients yeah. and as close to nature and adulthood ingredients. Yeah. And then B is they just don't taste good. Yeah. So yeah. I spent at least close to a year developing these because I know how important texture yes. is. Like mouthfeel is everything when you're eating something. And that's really where the genesis of the chocolate bites really you know, yeah. started. So there's um, no, no refined sugar in these, dairy-free, no GMOs. No GMOs, yeah. Okay. No and palm oil. No palm oil. That's really important. It's keeping it to be sustainable. Yep. That's why we use um, oat milk. Yeah. Most sustainable um, plant-based milk. And they're genuinely just delicious. Like. Thank you. I yeah, appreciate no. it. Yeah. And where can where can people find these? So um, they can find them on our website, eatrue.com. And we want to get them into shops. So if any any independent shop owners and uh, coffee shops want, yeah. to, want to sign up with Rue, um, these are amazing products. Also, um, yeah, if you're in an office and you want these in your office, yeah. we're, we're really going hard in on our B2B strategy at the moment. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> given, given the climate and the market at the moment, you know, um, one thing I've learned is as a founder, mm. you will pivot a million and one times and you better be ready for it. Yeah, 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 for sure. Don't be so attached to your product, to your strategy, you know, um, I heard this somewhere, I think, or also I made it up, I can't remember, but have strong opinions loosely held. Yes. You're able to listen and also implement what is right at that moment. Yeah. And you'll never beat the market. And if the market is telling you that perhaps right now D2C is not yeah. the strategy to go for, yeah. pivot. Don't yeah. be so attached to it. And it's taken a lot inside of me. Yeah. It's taken emotional few weeks, maybe a month to be okay with that. 
Because you know you spend time making your forecast, three to five yeah, year forecast, yeah, yeah. To, that this is going to be our strategy. And then you're like, oh my God, back to square one, you know? Yeah. And so, yeah, going back to the plaque, if there are any uh, people who want them in their offices, just yeah. hit me up, um, eat true. Yeah. Yeah. We eat true everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> no, 100%. And we, we, vouch, we vouch for the product. I think they're, they're amazing. Thank you. Yeah. Um, you know, the whole point with um, Roo is that it's mindful snacking, healthier soul. And within these chocolate bites, we have like two functional ingredients. So it's all about creating products that have fun added functionality. You, As you've said, you're a super busy person, as am I. Like, you know, like gone are the times where we just eat food that just gives us the calories or the nutrition. You want something additional that helps you to perform and like go, yeah. that, go that extra mile. And so we add MCT oil. Um, if you're probably yeah, medium yeah. chain triglycerides and chicory root fiber. So support your brain health and your gut health whilst Amazing, <laughs> amazing, amazing. No, I like it. I like it a lot. Thanks. Do you, are you normally more of a sweet or a savory person? You know, recently I've been more of a savory person. Really? Yeah, but I, I will I've gone say, the other way. Have you? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I think I've gone the other way. I've always, I always used to be more of a savory, but recently these sweet treats, man. But no, Innovation, just, yeah. 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 <laughs> it gets us. I'll just plug me um, with the Roo now. But yeah, that's... Yeah, yeah. Lifetime supply. Yeah. <laughs> I'll hold you to that. Inshallah. Inshallah. <laughs> smart. See, you're you smart. But no, that's... It's amazing to see what you've built. And actually, the context behind everything that you've built is really important. And I think, yeah, I'm, it's so inspiring mm. to just hear about like your journey, what has built up this resilience that you mm. have. Um, your relationship with wellness through your own experiences with cancer and otherwise um, and really seeing you put all of that not letting it define you but seeing you put all of that um, into your own product um, which is the first of many I'm sure um, but thank you for sharing that with us I think that's it's been amazing to to see and hear from you um, one thing that we do like to ask all of our mm -hmm. loose change guests is as like a closing <laughs> remark um, okay. Is there any loose change that you'd like to share with our audience? Loose change, interesting. Um, I think two things. Mm -hmm. Number one is choose growth over comfort. Okay. Be uncomfortable when you're feeling comfortable. Okay. Okay. And number two is that I think Tim Glover says this, who is the coach who coached Kobe Bryant and um, Michael Jordan. Yeah. He says, be obsessed with the details. Because interested people watch obsessed people change the world. Wow. Wow, that's very profound. Fair yeah. play, Kinza. I'm going <laughs> to I'm gonna take that and action it. But thank you so much. And I think that's an amazing note to end on. Thank, thank you. you for being here. You're just welcome. Cut. Cut. I actually felt so mad.